I didn't know where to start. I didn't know who I needed to talk to. I didn't know who, what department I should go to. There's no path, no example to follow. So you're basically shooting from the hip, almost like a leap of faith going to the school the first day, you know, and, and signing up. It actually is kind of scary too. It kind of tested me in a way I never really thought of being tested. Uh, my father pulled me aside and he said, you're going further than I ever did. And I'm sorry, I can't give you advice but all I can do is tell you that I love you. It was great, it was a warm moment at that time, but like two hours after they left, I was scared. When I came to school, um, I missed my first week of classes by reading the schedule wrong. It freaked me out, I wanted to quit already. Um, so going there into an English class, um, now it's one of my favorite classes to be in. And though I was nervous um, and overwhelmed, I, I enjoyed that challenge. Welcome to the N Community College Stigma Podcast. I'm Steve Robinson, president of Owens Community College in Ohio, and today I am pleased to bring you a special episode of the podcast produced in conjunction with our TRIO SSS office here at Owens. We're live this morning in Heritage Hall on the campus of Owens Community College as we celebrate first-generation college student day recording in front of a live audience. This podcast is dedicated to ending the unfair stigma placed on America's community colleges, and today's special edition of the podcast takes the place of a panel discussion on the image and public perception of community colleges. During the first portion of the program, one of our amazing TRIO SSS students, Alyssa Munn-Winston, will moderate a panel entitled, How Did I Get Here? In the second half of the show, Brandon Gaddy, our director of TRIO Student Support Services, will moderate a panel on how we can best support first-generation students. I'll be passing the microphone to my amazing colleagues and taking a seat behind the mixing desk to engineer today's episode. Now, I'll be back at the end of the show to read the credits and close out the program. But before I put my headphones on and take the controls, it is my honor to introduce the host of our first panel. Alyssa Munn-Winston is a TRIO SSS student and a physical therapy assistant major, and she is also a first-generation college student. So take it away, Alyssa. Hello, my name is Alyssa Munn Winston. I'll be your moderator for today. I am a first generation student uh, majoring in physical therapy assistant. Being first generation gives me motivation to show others that anything is possible. I'm happy and honored to be amongst other first gen students on first gen day. Before we get started, I would like to take this time to thank the Owens Community College Foundation and donors for the donations to provide first gen day t-shirts. So let's get started. Now I would like to have everybody on the panel to introduce themselves. LaShawn Staples, Owens Community College Downtown Learning Center Administrative Assistant. Andre Duclos, Economics Adjutant in the Social and Behavioral Science Department. Rochette Sweeney, um, Owens Community College student, a major social work. Okay, so what's your first gen story, and did you always know you were going to college? I did know that I was going to be going to college. I just never made up my mind when I wanted to go. I decided, you know, later in life that there was something different I wanted to try. Well, I kind of have a unique story here. I was a truck driver, and I got hurt on the job and had to have surgery. Well, right after surgery, the workers' comp insurance carrier went bankrupt. So I ended up living with my parents at the age of 42. 
I get a letter from the state of Minnesota saying, Andre, we heard what happened to you. You want to go to school to do whatever you want. So I ended up being a board-certified laboratory technician. At the, and the state of Minnesota took all, care of all the bills for me. My mom was very, very proud of that. Well, my story's not like his. Um, I, at first, did not know I wanted to go to school. It was later. I did not graduate uh, high school when I was supposed to. I graduated when I was about 24. I went through an online high school diploma program, and I went back to get my high school diploma, and I just said I want better for myself and my daughter, so I went back to college. And as a first gen, I really didn't have no really support, and I just basically, I just had to have resilience and said I'm going to do it, and I'm here. The next question, what challenges did you face being first gen? Um, I, I didn't know where to start. I didn't know who I needed to talk to. I didn't know who, what department I should go to. So it was like once I, I came up to Owens at the time, it was the records office. I think I went into, and you know, it was like, if you don't know, you're going to be lost. So that was a true, true challenge, just not even knowing where to even start at. Oh, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, that was the hardest part. Where do you start? I mean, you almost throw a dart to the, to the wall, you know, and start from that point. Uh, there was no bar. You know, okay, there's no path, no example to follow. So you're basically shooting from the hip, which is something that I never did. You know, so it was almost like a leap of faith going to the school the first day, you know, and, and signing up and going through all the steps. It, uh, it, it actually is kind of scary, too. It kind of tested me in a way I never really thought of being tested. Um, I was nervous when I first started. I didn't really, I think I had self-doubt because I didn't think I was coming to something that I didn't really know. And I think what kind of got me through that first year would just a lot of people was here and they didn't know. So it's, I didn't feel like as bad because like we, we all don't know. <laughs> so I'm like, at, at least I'm not, I didn't feel like, okay, I'm the outcast. We all just was just trying to figure it out. <laughs> I can agree with all you guys. Cause when I first started, I did not know anything like what I wanted to do, who I was, um, what I wanted to be. So I was just, Going with the motions, pretty much. So, if you can make the second semester, you got it. Serious. I've, I've seen so many people crash and burn that first semester. Oh, but if you can make the second semester, yeah. Well, and I think people crash and burn because they don't know who to talk to. Yeah. It's where do I go first? So even throughout that first semester, when you start hitting the stumbling box, it's if you don't know who to ask or if you're afraid to even tell someone that you're struggling, then it's like a defeat, right, when you start. Yeah, a personal defeat. You don't want to say nothing. I agree. Um, I think it was um, when my second semester, I think is what I seen the most was intimidation. You, you go into something foreign, you really don't know what's going on. But I think it, I had teachers that was really 
that really care. They really care. Like, it's okay if you don't know this academic language because some of them may speak that stuff you have never heard before. So I think it's the fact that you had staff that was like, no, you're not giving up. We, we're going to get through this. So I think it's the mindset, but it's also you have to have people around you that will support you because you might not have nobody outside these walls. Um, what's the best advice you'd give to a first-gen student? Ask questions. Ask questions. If you don't know, ask questions. You may have a classmate. Ask your classmate. You just have to ask questions. And that's something hard for first-gen students, regular students. If you don't know, a lot of people don't want to ask. But we have to start showing people that it's okay not to know. Just ask. Well, isn't that why we're here, though? Because we don't know. You know, this is school, you know, and there's no judgment here. It, it can be tough, though. If you're not prepared, though, I mean, you got to make the commitment, the mental commitment to yourself, you know, that's, and stick with it because there's some long semesters, there's some long stretches where you don't, you don't think you're going to make it, but somehow you squeak it out. Somehow you pull out that B, you know, or get that late-night paper in. But it's a test of your endurance, too. And if you can make that second semester, you do got it made. I had a, I can't remember who the teacher was, but one of the semesters, it was like the first year, it was English, and I was bad as writing papers, and my major social work, so I have to learn how to write papers, and she told me, like, Rochette, uh, you never be the smartest person in the room, and I'm like, what is she saying? This, of course, if I'm struggling, I'm not the smartest. She said, if you, if you're the smartest in the room, you can't grow. She said, so if you're being challenged, you, you are supposed to be here, and I, I took that that took that that you know criticism on good faith because she was right i passed the course and i challenged myself so i just basically had to believe in myself that my potential was higher than what i thought it was so i do take that now like never be the smarter person in the room not as a boastful thing but as a way of you you're a life learner so if you're a student you're a life learner um who inspired you to go to college a family member she was already attending Owens, and I kept watching her and seeing what she was doing. Yeah, it was a struggle for her sometimes. She had support, family, emotional. She had all that, and I'm like, I, I can do it. I can do it, and I followed her, and it was like, okay, we're going to make this happen, and I graduated. I think the alternative in my world was jail. I have a brother and a sister doing long stretches. I'm not proud of it, but it is what it is. Okay, so what if we do something different? And with my mom's encouragement, I mean, she really was there for me. Um, it was sad. The sad part is she did get to watch me walk across the stage. It was the only time I even really cared about walking across that stage. The rest of the time, okay, yeah, pomps and circumstances. But walking across for her, because I didn't know I'd lose her two months later. You know, so it really meant a lot to me to this day that she got to see me do it, to succeed where everybody else had not even tried. I think for me it was me having a child, and then I got out of a weird, really rough relationship, and it was my mother encouragement. She didn't finish college, but she did go, but she was like, I want you to finish what you started. And I told her once I got my diploma I was going to go to college, and I eventually did. So it was more of a, a milestone for me, but the fact that a child does not stop you from seeking your education it only makes you want to go harder for her 
So uh, that's why I chose to go because I feel like my daughter needs to see what success look like. So she can't see it. How can I be an example for her? I would say my mom was um, who inspired me to go to college. Um, she had two kids while she was in college. So two kids and trying to... Um, the pressures of school and the stress and all that is inspiring. So um, not only that, but like the environment around us, like not everybody is going to college. They see college and it's like, oh, I don't want to go to college. I'm always being debt. And so they always get jobs that's not really fulfilling. And so college was the best option for me. Um, what emotional, financial, and personal support did you, or do you have? For me, I had, I had my family. I had, I did have emotional support. The financial part, I had to go, go through and get financial aid. You know, just like most students, I had to go through and do the financial aid. But my mom, my kids other family members, they supported me. Emotional, that mostly just came from me. A lot of times it was self-doubt, so I had to pull myself up out of that, you know, to kind of be my own champion. You know, I know that my mom, other relatives, they were, you know, cheering me on, but I had to be my own champion to make sure I could get through it. Uh, my, it was my mom. I was having someone to fall back, and I mean, how many can, how many of us can remember those? You know, especially your first, your first final. You know, as a student, I mean, I you notice I'm calling it kind of bald right here, but I could have swore I pulled some of that hair out during that time, and you know, she was there, so just to, just to blow up some steam, you know, just to give someone to talk to. She couldn't relate to the stress I felt, but. Just the fact that she was there just to, you know, lend an ear, you know, lend, lend a little support. So, I, you know, the fact that I passed that, that, that first exam, too, I kind of, you know, this one's for you, Mom. Thanks for, thanks for being there and just letting me, uh, you know, giving the support, you know, it, it, you know. And she helped me get through that first tough time, you know. And to be honest, everybody asked me what the toughest part of school was. I was like, the associate's degree. Once you pass that, it all kind of goes downhill. It gets easier. But that, you know, learning how to write a paper, learning the laboratories, learning the nomenclature of chemistry, you almost want to just go bang your head against the proverbial wall sometimes. You know, so again, it was my mom with her support, though, and I still thank her to this day. Um, I get um, some of my support, um, emotional uh, support from my mom. Um, I am on financial aid for school, but honestly, a lot of more of my emotional support comes from counseling, counseling because I suffer from really, really bad anxiety. So when I first started here, I did not want to be around people at all. So it was very hard. So I think, and then I was ashamed of it because we don't really talk about counseling in our family. So when I put myself in counseling, I was able basically to have small goals and work towards just getting through the week. I, I don't no longer try to get through the month, you know, the year, just get through the week because it's really hard for me to be around people, and it's something I've been dealing with for years. So I think me even being on this panel is me getting out my shell.
So I think it, it's definitely beneficial, if you, especially if you're in school or just with like, you got to talk to somebody that's not necessarily connected to you because it's a bias. When you got someone who don't know you, you ha you're free to talk. They're, they're at least like non-judgmental because you have to vent. If you're not, you will be having many meltdowns. And you know, trying to get through a semester, you can't really. You have to keep it all together. So I just tell people, you know, know your limitations and learn to say no. So if you can't get support from someone and you got to depend on just a few, you have to do that because sometimes people around you can make your situation worse. What is that about college, though, is the, know, you know, discovering your limitations and then knowing what they are. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's all part of it, too. I had to learn to say no to a lot of things yeah. because I have to see yeah. <laughs> And it was hard. It wasn't as easy doing that because it was a lot of friends that I was, you know, used to be friends with. And a lot of people don't understand you have to be focused in school. And a lot of if they're not in school or finished school or, you know, or naysayers, it, it'll throw you off. So I think sometimes you really – you might be in a season where you have to just be alone. And I think sometimes yeah. you, you can – you know, you can grow from that. And I, I really do tell people that you can't always, sometimes people, a delay is not a denial. So you just have to just keep going and, and keep working towards however long it takes because, you, you know, this is this is just the beginning for me. Right. And having to say no to going out on the weekend where we got schoolwork to do, we got to get this done, we got to get that done. You know, we made a commitment to the school itself. And that was, you know, that was the first thing I discovered was what a great social scene the college has, you know. But, no, you have to pay attention to, to the lessons and, you know, and it's really easy to get caught up into it. It really is. I think that's part of the problem that people do struggle with is, you know, dealing with the social scene itself. But uh, the, the academia, I just, I, I wish I could go to school till, you know, until I'm old and gray, you know, so... Okay, we talked about the challenges that we faced as being first gen. Um, like, what was your motivation during those times? Boldly going where no one else has gone before in my family, to be honest. <laughs> my, my nerd is showing, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but it was true. I mean, everybody dropped out of school at seventh grade, 11th grade. Nobody ever pushed forward. So, like I said, though, there was no bar. So, how far could I go? So not only did I do the schooling, then I was able to go back to driving truck and bounce around in that old truck. I was able to get my master's degree, you know, just driving back and forth or whatever. So it became part of my life that I, I actually enjoyed, you know, and, and now that I'm all done with school, you know, there's like this, there is, there's this empty spot, you know, I have all this free time now. What do I do with that? Oh, I took up computer gaming. Ooh. But uh, that was my motivation is just uh how far could I go with the resources I have? And, and I almost managed at the very end. I, let's just say I could see the end of the trail. I really could. Um, I think what motivates me through the challenges is basically having resilience. I have feel like I've been here so long that I can't fail. And I just mean that, like, you cannot have a failure mentality in college. Even if you fail a class, you, you have to have the notion of you will rise again. You will pass again. You cannot think you're going to be a failure because that mentality will weigh on you. And I think what other people's perception of you is really not your business. You really know that if you know you you have potential, you're going to have potential. I didn't have classes where I 
I, people, students told me like, oh, we're, we're not going to pass this class, but we did pass this class. It wasn't easy, but the fact is sometimes you just have to, you have to have one of those classes that push you to your break. And now when you, you enter a class, be like, I don't know, you know, this professor, they may teach a certain way and this one may teach another way. This one may not want you to talk so much. Another one might want you to talk too much. Point is, you, 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 I, I, I no longer worry about whether I'm liked or not. My job is to graduate and learn something. So I think I, I just, only thing, I just have to have a resilience attitude. And, 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 it's, and it's only because I feel like if you don't, you will doubt your abilities. And I think you, you can have potential to do whatever you you want to wanna be. I've been in classes where people who was homeless, who you know, with dr- former drug addicts, and it'd be like, I'm complaining about somebody, and they, they, I have a home, and they might even have a home, you know, so I think sometimes you cannot think that you have, your situation is worse, or you may have to work two jobs, and you a single parent, or this or that, because someone next to you really might be going through something worse, so you just have to have a, be, have an attitude of, I'm gonna get through this, we're gonna get through this together. Well, most of my motivation came from at the time when like when I first started my kids were in elementary school so I kind of was like I want to do this with them and for them you know it was mostly for me to show myself but it was also I had my children and I wanted them to see mom is succeeding so if mom is succeeding I can succeed and we we did it together so that's kind of like where the bulk of my motivation came from um, I would like to add that my motivation came from people telling me I can't do something. Um, most of the time, um, when somebody tell you you can't do something, that resonates into themselves. Like, oh yeah, I can't. But me, you tell me I can't do something, I'm gonna prove to you I can. So that was like my heart of my motivations. Um. If that is all, um, I would like to thank you all for coming. Good afternoon, everyone. Good morning. Good afternoon. Welcome to the second part of our podcast today. My name is Brandon Gaddy. I'm the director of TRIO Student Support Services here at Owens Community College. Uh, I'm excited about this next panel, and I hope you guys are too. I'll let them introduce themselves, and we'll go from there. So we'll start here to my left. Good morning. My name is James Jackson. I am the director for the Downtown Learning Center here at Owens Community College. Good morning. I'm Lynn Hohen. I am the Job Location and Development Coordinator at Owens Community College. Hello. I'm Rochette Sweeney. I'm a student here at Owens Community College, and my major is in social work. Good morning. My name is Logan Buchanan. I'm a student at Owens Community College, and my major is English and Psychology. Thank you, guys. So my first question to all of you will be, what does it mean for you to be a first-gen college student? Anybody can jump in at one point. Um, I think what it means to me is having resilience because I'm here. Being a first-generation college student, you don't really come here prepared, so you have to be taught a lot of things. And some things are just common sense, and other things you really have to be taught. So I think being a first-gen to me is just being resilient because I feel like you are 
breaking down barriers. And I do, but every time I break down a barrier, I feel like I am more than able to be here and go on beyond here. So I think being first gen means being resilient beyond measure. Uh, first generation college student for me, that that's shown me a lot. Uh, it's shown me a lot about myself that I didn't know. When I came to school, um, I missed my first week of classes by reading the schedule wrong. It freaked me out. I wanted to quit already. Um, so going there into an English class, at that, I, I was in a, a freshman English class my senior year of high school. Um, I, I didn't like it, so I didn't do it. Um, now it's one of my favorite, <laughs> it's one of my favorite um, classes to be in. Um, so it showed me that I like challenges. Um, and though I was nervous, stressed, um, and overwhelmed, I, I enjoyed that challenge. And I'm thankful that the professor, uh, Brian Burt, he, he saw that and he, he really pushed me. And that was a, a huge starting point to why I enjoy English and, and part of my story of being a first-gen first college student. I would say for me it means, um, and it's been being a trailblazer. And I'm not saying that to put you know, grandiose ideas in, in people's heads, but literally my family could only go so far with me. Uh, my parents, my father was a military person. Um, my mother was a clerk uh, with the IRS. I'm one of five children. And in my neighborhood, most people didn't go to school. They didn't go to college. Uh, so although I know my family loved me and they supported me and they wanted me to do well, they didn't know what to say, what to tell me. They didn't know. All they knew was, you know, they called me Jim. All they knew was Jim was going to college and everybody was really proud. And Jim was scared to death because I knew and I can remember when my dad and my, parent, my mom dropped me off at school. Uh, my father pulled me aside and he said, you're going further than I ever did. And I'm sorry, I can't give you advice. But all I can do is tell you that I love you. And, you know, that was, it was great. It was a warm moment at that time. But like two hours after they left, I was scared because I didn't have anyone I could call. Uh, we didn't have cell phones back then or, you know, use a pay phone to call to talk to an uncle or a parent to say, you know, what do I do first day of class? So it was really, you know, being a trailblazer, and that was scary. I hope that I was an inspiration for um, other people in my family. I think I was for my mother. She had always wanted to be a nurse, and after I went to college, she came to Owens and became a nurse. We graduated a couple weeks apart, um, so I'm kind of a non-traditional first-generation student. Um, but hopefully, hopefully, I inspired others in my family, friends, um, to take that leap of faith and and go to school and, and follow their dream. I kind of echo what you guys said. You know, try to be that inspiration or that trailblazer. You know, for those, especially those around our communities, people that we know. I think that's big for a lot of us who are first gen, we're trying to do it on our own and trying to figure it out, to be that trailblazer. So thank you guys for that. Um, when you got to the college campus, was it hard for you to adapt to some of the language that was there? Did, what, what confused you? And then how did you overcome that confusion? For me, it definitely was um, confusing. You know, the, the terminology, the acronyms that we use in higher ed, 
are, <laughs> I mean, I have students now that will come into my office and, and you know, I'll just nonchalantly throw out that acronym and, and they'll look at me like a deer in headlights and I have to, and then we have to step back and realize that we need to explain to them what those mean, what those, what those words are, um, you know, help them to learn that, that new language, for lack of a better word, because, because it is completely different from what they learned even in, in high school. I think uh, I agree too. It was mostly the the, the language, you know. Uh, when you have not heard a type of pro- pronunciation, you you get kind of discouraged, it's intimidating. You have people, you know, your peers who are speaking language that you never spoke before. So I think that was one of the most things that were the most difficult for me. But I think as classes per I started learning too so I didn't like I said before when you're in a class and everybody they're scared you don't feel as bad you feel like well we all gonna learn too so I think that it was mainly getting over the fear that it doesn't necessarily make someone smarter they just learn at a different pace than you so I think I was I was happy when I started learning too but I think it was the the intimidation of someone knowing something you fear and shame that you don't know what they know I don't think it was all just the academic stuff. Sometimes it was just what's a cashier's office or what's a bursar or what's a student account or what's a FAFSA or we have acronyms for everything in higher ed now. So what is uh, MGBJACDDD? You know, all those different acronyms, I don't know what that was, but we just came up with it. I think the acronyms were a big part, you know. I don't know about you guys, but for me, it was just I started not only asking questions, but I was watching everybody. Like, I started looking at everybody and what they were doing, and then I found mentors, people who were on campus or people, offices I could go to, something like a TRIO office or multicultural student services, one of those offices. And when I didn't know, I just sat there and listened. Like, I would listen to people say, oh, you should go to Bursar. What's that exactly, a Bursar? (laughs) Or student accounts, or heck, even what's a degree audit? You know, that was a big one. I don't know about anybody else, but reading a degree audit was hard. I think for me, answering the question directly, how did I adapt, it was what you just said. I, I found a resource, student support office at that time, it was... Uh, the Minority Affairs Office, uh, which ended up doing, if not exactly, some very similar things as to what TRIO does. And the staff that were in there really took me under their wing and started to explain things. I could ask what I thought were stupid questions, and I would get compassionate, uh, simple, non-embarrassing answers which only encouraged me to ask more questions. And, you know, <laughs> there was a point at which I was like the, the information person in my dorm, and people would ask me, and then if it was stuff I didn't know, I would, like, write it down. And then the next day when I went to the office, I would ask Rhonda or Barbara, but I was asking for other people. Then I would come back to the dorm, you know, after class, and I would see that person, and I'd be able to explain things. Um, but if I hadn't gotten out of my comfort zone and actually gone to that office, I don't know, because there was so much that I learned. And one of the things I can remember the director telling me is, you don't notice culture when you're in it. And so she was saying, you're, I was from the inner city of Philadelphia, um, and she was like, you know, when you're in Philly, in Philadelphia, you understand the culture. You understand what's going on in your neighborhood. Nobody has to tell you what the rules are. But once you get out of your neighborhood, 
you realize that other neighborhoods and places have different rules. And she was like, that's the same thing here being at school. You have to learn the language, how to operate, how to move, where to go, where not to go. And she said the best way to do that, one is asking questions, but the other one is find somebody that's already been here and kind of imitate or model what, they, what they're doing. And for me, that was an upper-class person who was in my dorm. It was probably a young lady, too, huh? <laughs> it was not. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to uh, love, love what you said there, James. Um, it, was, it was big for me that it bothered me more, and I'm thankful for this, it bothered me more to not know than it bothered me to ask a question. Um, that that made it all the difference. I I I was more concerned about not knowing than I was concerned about what somebody thought about me when I asked a question. And I don't know who it was that someone gave me the tip that if you're thinking about a question, there's probably five other people in the room that have the same question and not the courage to ask it. So I wanted to ask those questions. I wanted to know. That was deep. Can you repeat that? It bothered me more. It it, it bothered me more to not know then it bothered me to not ask the question. That's deep. Okay. okay. That just hooked, that hit me right here in the heart right there. That stuck with me. Uh, a question for you. What other term would you use to describe yourself and other first-gen students? I know we talked about trailblazers. We talked about inspiration. But what other term would you use? If you had a superpower, what would your superpower be as a first-gen student? Don't everybody jump in at the same time. I would probably be like super awkward guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Like that answer right there. <laughs> super awkward guy. Why would you say that? Super awkward because? I would be the person that would ask the awkward question. Um, I would never have phrased it as brilliantly as that, but I was so determined not to let people down that if it meant I was going to be the one to raise my hand and ask a question in a lecture hall, then I did. If it meant I was going to knock on some strange person's door in the administration building and just introduce myself, however freshman awkwardly it may have been, then I did it. And I, was, I just didn't want to let my family and my grandparents down because I felt like I was representing like a whole community. And I figured I got to take one for the team. And if I'm going to look silly, look silly. Super awkward guy. Okay. Anybody else? Um, I think mine would be untouchable. And only because I feel like the point I'm I'm at in my life, I feel like can't nobody take me back. I may have life obstacles, but I feel like I'm untouchable because I made it through the trenches for real. Like I am definitely headed for greatness and I'm not I'm not going to stop because a life got in the way. Even if it's a delayment, I'm going to still keep going. So I feel like I'm untouchable. Okay. Miss Untouchable, we got you. <laughs> Lynn? Um, I, I don't know. It's You put me on the spot here. It, it took me a long, long time to find my voice. I mean, and um, so when I, when I was in school, when I was an undergrad, I um, – I would just try and figure it out myself a lot rather than ask that question. I didn't, ha I didn't have that voice yet. Um, and fortunately, over the years, I have, I have found my voice. <laughs> and I'm that person that says what everybody else is thinking. Um, but um, 
I don't, I don't know if I if I can put a name to that. Okay, it works. <laughs> I would say mine's is invisible guy, because I would always be in the back of the corner just listening. Like I always wanted to hear what conversations were happening. Like the only reason I went to college was because a lot of the people in my high school, all their parents went to college. <laughs> so they started talking, so I started listening. And when I got to college, I was listening. And when I got into classes, I was listening. And when I went to multicultural, I was listening. I always wanted to hear what was going on and then kind of take the information and decipher it for myself and apply it to my life where I needed to put it. So mine would be the invisible guy, big invisible guy. How's that sound? <laughs> I'm That's gonna... true, James. <laughs> Go ahead, Logan. I'm going to say um, knowledge absorber. Um, it goes along with the, the not, not wanting to not know things. Um, no information is useless information. It might not be as interesting as other information, but it is useful. Um, so I, I really do my best, even if something doesn't interest me as much, to absorb that knowledge. Um, it will benefit it will benefit somewhere else. I don't know where. Um, I'm not sure why I read through this um, general information in a packet. I don't know why I read it, but I did, and, and it's going to help me. Maybe I walk through the doors and mm, to the right, there's that, there's that room that I need to go to. Uh, silly stuff like that, just absorbing knowledge. Next question is, it's kind of going to break into two parts, one's for a student and then one for the professionals on the staff. How does being a first-gen student impact your professional development or your career choices? And then for those who are students, how do you think being a first-gen student will impact your professional development? Um, I think being a first-gen will impact my professional um, development and me going into a career of social work is because I have a reality that a lot of people may go through. I'm a first generation student. I came from a single parent home. <clears throat> I'm a single parent and I made it. So I think me having a reality of something that's similar, maybe not can't, you know, be exact with someone else. It's just the fact that I'm humble. And I think me being relatable to an extent makes someone not fear, fearful of wanting to change their life. I think you can't, people get intimidated when someone looks picture perfect. But just, you know, being able to say, I've been there too, it goes a long way. Even if you didn't go through necessarily what they went through, the fact that you've been somewhere and you got somewhere else, it, it's really something that can change someone's life. So I think, and then not only that, the way you speak, I do think, you know, what you speak over people, you really have to be careful about that. You could speak life over them or you could speak death over them. You got to be very, you know, humble in your words and not, don't give up on people easily because didn't nobody give up on you. Lynn, how about yourself? How does being a first gen student, how has it impacted your professional life? Uh, I would say that it impacted me. Um, the entire gro time growing up, everybody told me I should be a, a phys ed teacher. So I went to school to be a phys ed teacher. And I taught for three years. And I hated it. But somewhere in the back of my mind, I knew that I didn't want to teach in the traditional way because I didn't minor in health like everybody else did. I minored in recreation. And that's what I ended up going into. Um, and then as 
my career has gone on, I've um, I've gone into different areas of, of you know outside of of the traditional teaching or, or recreation. But I was able to transition into those other areas and do those other things um, because of my experience knowing that even if it was something that I didn't know going in, I could learn it, um, which is not something when I was in elementary and high school that I was sure of. Um, you know, it was it was something that, that came along because I was able to be successful and as, as I grew professionally and, and realized that just because I didn't have that formal education, I could, I could still learn how to do something different and, and be successful at it. For me, it's definitely made an impact because there's more to that story that I told you guys about my parents dropping me off. But um, August 25th, 1987, I can still date, remember the date. My parents dropped me off and... About two hours after they left, <clears throat> I decided to walk off campus where I went to school about two blocks uh, to get some pizza. And while I was doing this walk, I was about a block away. Um, I went, went to school in a real small kind of country, rural town. And there was a pickup truck with four guys in it, four white guys, mud flaps, Confederate flag in the back window. And they were following me behind me driving very slowly like you would kind of see in the movies um, and then they sped ahead in front of me probably about a hundred yards or so popped up on the curb and one of the guys get out got out and threw a cup of I don't know Pepsi Coke at me and screamed go back where you came from inward now I've been in college all of like two hours um, and that's where some of the fear came from um, and I just say that because as a first-generation college student I, what do you do? I didn't have anyone to call. I didn't have anyone to lean on. Um, and even all these years later, when I come to work and I chose to work in higher education, it was because I remember what it was like to be an 18-year-old new college student in a totally different culture, totally different environment, scared to death. And if it wasn't for someone, again, like TRIO and other staff that are here who just helped me, just remembered what it was like not to know, and just remembered what it was like to not know the acronyms and the language and to be confused and all of that. So every day I come to work, I remember that 18-year-old, that new person, and I try to do the job that I have as if the person that I'm talking to, this is their first time. This is their first time hearing about OSERV and their first time knowing about a bursar and a registrar and a CRIN and a, what the shack is and all that kind of stuff. And so it's really helped me be, I think, a better professional because I remember what it was like to be that first generation person and just not know the stuff you don't know. And I'll kind of interject off of what you were saying, James. You know, how does it impact or how has it impacted me? It, it's every day for me. Like, this is what I do. This is what I'm, I feel like it's a passion and a calling for me. Uh, being a first-gen student coming from little old Mansfield, Ohio, uh, it was different, right? But I also knew when I got to campus or to a four-year college and I got there, like JJ said, you felt kind of alone. And, you know, my mom's here now. Say, hi, Mom. Uh, my, my mom and dad were like, hey, we'll be praying for you. Call us if you need some money. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. 
but then at the on the other end of that was when I when I got through, I always felt like I had to go back and help somebody else. Like it was my responsibility to do it. Um, being from Mansfield, like I said, a lot of students came up with us, came after me the year after, and all of a sudden I had like 20 brothers and sisters that I had to take care of. And then I was taking care of a campus, what it felt like. <laughs> but it impacts me every day because I always want to make sure that I help that next student because what, I'm, what we're doing is trying to change generations. Like we're trying to make sure that that next generation gets to a place where they're comfortable gets to a place where they feel comfortable in education and learning and being able to help somebody else. So every day for me is fun. Like, I love this. This is a passion for me. But I also know that sometimes that student's not going to ask a question or sometimes that student's not going to say, I'm really, really struggling on several different levels, spiritually, emotionally, financially. I haven't eaten in two days, three days a week, that kind of stuff. So every day I – Myself, I have to recenter myself and put myself in a place where I'm thinking about that first-gen student who went to the University of Toledo and walked through the doors and, and pushed his way through. Logan? Um, how, how this will help me in, in my career, uh, I want to make sure to remember the discomforts that I've had and that I have. I want to remember those discomforts when I see people who are uncomfortable uh, when I see people who are struggling, um, I want to take that with me. I want to remember where I was um, and how how much it impacted me when there was one person, two people that were there to show support. I remember that. I remember how how valuable I felt when one person showed me support and how much of an impact that had on what I did. That's something that I... I pray that I continue to remember that and not lose that and keep keep striving to see that person who's struggling and to look at them. And I might look like I'm in a better place now, and I am from where I came from, yet I don't want to forget about the people who are in the place where I was. And I, and I, and I just pray that I keep that and I keep having the desire to reach out to them uh, and to, to keep, keep looking, to keep looking for, for someone who's uncomfortable and to give them comfort, the comfort that I had to get me where I'm at. So we all stand on the shoulders of giants. And uh, I'm thankful for the, the giants that I'm standing on. So I think we're at an interesting time here at Owens. Well, being at this institution is it's like kind of revival time, I guess. I guess it's also a time where we have support from a lot of different places from the top to the bottom. Um, and one of the things I want to ask as a panel is at this interesting time in this interesting institution, what can we do as as staff members, as other community members of people who are community or members of the first gen student, what can we do to better support students on our campus? This is an easy one. Just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like that. That means I got job security for a little while. <laughs> But what are the op what are the opportunities? What are things that you see that we might be able to do differently or add more of? Or what can we do to better support first gen students based on your experiences and what you see? Um, I would say besides keep continuing providing emotional support, get them out their comfort zone. They don't like to talk. Have somewhere where you meet up as a group, because I think 
that's a lot of things. They won't. A lot of people will not tell you nothing is wrong. So if you if you, they won't tell you nothing's wrong, then you have a student who is not doing well because something is wrong. So I would think trying to find alternative ways to get that student out their com- comfort zone, not to that de- de- you know put them out there, but basically expose them to to make let them know that it's okay for you to be going through something because that's what you know that's what you're here for to help them. So I think making like he said making students comfortable but getting them to be not you know not to be in a realm of being uncomfortable anymore so I think students have to get out their comfort zone because if not they will like myself I won't tell you something that's wrong but people here who (laughs) who've known me will be like well what's wrong with shit something's wrong so I so I would say just I would say if anything making students be more accountable and and letting them know that it's okay to get out of your comfort comfort zone um you know i don't know i don't know what this looks like um at times it's 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 easier to see someone who's struggling i mean when when the it's on the surface and you see that they're struggling um the difficult part is to to see the person who looks like they're not struggling and and they might be struggling way more than the person you can see is struggling um, so i don't I'm not sure what that looks like but uh some more bring, intrusive bring. advising <laughs> I yeah like that. I like that I mean I think we need to continue to provide the resources that that Owens provides for students, whether they're first generation or not first generation um, but um I would say we need to find a way to get the word out to students more so that we get better participation in a lot of the programs that we offer, um, getting our students to connect and and participate in things is a struggle, and I know it's not just me. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of, of programs. Um, and there's so many good resources out there and so many good opportunities that students don't take advantage of um, and, and I don't. If I wish I had the answer to how we get them to participate. And if you and find that answer, there's a world that will pay you for it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but on a more personal level, I think just um, being a sounding board for students, you know, when they come to your office um, and you do get that face-to-face contact with them, um, you know, not just giving them the information and you know rushing them out out, of, out the door, you know, making them feel that that you are somebody that they can talk to, that, that they can come to if they have a problem or if they just need to talk about something or if they have a success that they want to share with somebody, um, you know, that, that you can be that person um, for, for a student or more than one student, um, I think is, is important, that personal connection. I think there's, there's two things. Um, they're pretty simple. Listen and respond. And I think... Um, if we're listening to our student population, first generation student population, uh, non-traditional students, traditional age students, then we are going to find out as an organization how we're doing, how well we're doing it, if students feel like they belong, if they feel welcome, where we can do better and where we're doing well enough. Uh, And that doesn't have to be a survey or an evaluation. It can be other more simplified methods. And then I think the second thing was maybe just as important is to respond. 
I mean, any relationship that's successful, people want to feel hurt. They want to be hurt. Um, but then after you're heard, if the, if the other person doesn't respond to what you've told them, <laughs> kind of defeats the purpose of being heard. So if we can listen to our first-generation population and find out how we can do better, we can be better. If we can listen to whatever population and find out what they need, then we can respond. And I think it becomes a self-perpetuating cycle of listening and responding and going higher and higher and higher. And I'll, I'll definitely say that, uh, piggyback off of that, I think that's the biggest piece is being able to listen and hear what our students are saying and making sure that we are giving them what they're asking for, also helping them to realize and to speak for themselves and finding that voice to say, this is what I need. Um, and I think we're doing a pretty good job here at Owens, but I think we're going to continue to strive to do better. Um, so I will say thank you all for helping us today with this part of our panel. It's been a pleasure. A um, couple things just to, to tell you all. We want to thank the Owens Community College Foundation again for the, and the donors for helping us out today. It's been, if you haven't gotten a T-shirt, please get one if we have any left. We want to start making the, the identity well known on campus that you're a first-gen student and you're first-gen proud. So we're going to start first-gen Fridays. Wear your first-gen information on Fridays. If you haven't gotten a button, wear a button. Or if you haven't got, if you got a T-shirt, wear a T-shirt. If you haven't gotten one of the uh, signs that we have, if you're a faculty or staff member, take one and put it on your door so that first-gen students know that they can connect with other people. Thank you, James. We appreciate that. Uh, so that other people will be able to connect with you. A um, couple other announcements really quickly. Please grab something to eat before you go because I'm not taking that food home, okay? Uh, please be sure today, if you are, if you're on social media, we have our Snapchat filter. Take a picture, put it on the snap. Tell people that you're Owens proud and you're first gen proud. Um, we wanna make sure that everyone sees what we're doing here at Owens and be proud to be at Owens Express. Um, last couple announcements, really simple. I wanna thank Dr. Robinson for being here and supporting us and what we're doing. This is an awesome event for us and to have somebody from the top that really runs this place from top to bottom to be here and support us is an amazing feeling. Um, to those faculty and staff members who are here, we appreciate you coming out and taking time out of your day to support our students. A big thank you to Ms. Lindsay Minning, my academic success coach. Oh, I'm sorry, Lindsay Minning Whitcomb, yes. Uh, for putting this together, Miss Heidi Altmore, yeah, uh, that's my next door neighbor in the office, our grants person, but she has been phenomenal in supporting us, and I can go on and on for pulling out names, but to everyone who's been here, thank you. Let's make finish today off strong and show everyone what we are as first-gen students here at Owens Community College. Well, that's it for our special First Generation Celebration edition of the End Community College Stigma Podcast Project. I hope you've enjoyed hearing the many voices of our allies who are working to end the stigma against community colleges through social media. I'd also like to thank our fantastic hosts, Alyssa and Brandon, and thank the live audience here in Heritage Hall at Owens Community College. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo!
This episode was produced in cooperation with the TRIO Student Support Services Office here at Owens Community College. As always, the soundtrack was composed and performed by Scott Holmes of scottholmesmusic.com and is licensed through Creative Commons. Until next time, please push back against inaccurate and unfair characterizations of community and technical colleges in real time wherever you are, especially on social media, and use the hashtag EndCCStigma to focus our efforts. Thanks for listening.